Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show, which is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Couple things to get to before we start with Mike Sando today talking about his excellent quarterback tiers column. First, guys, basketball is finally making its return to TV. Make sure you're keeping up with all the news inside and outside the NBA bubble with Adrian Wojnarowski on the Woj Pod. Of course, I already know you're following Woj. You're waiting patiently for Woj bombs. Why not listen to the podcast and check that out? Download and subscribe to the Woj Pod as well, of course, as the Bill Barnwell Show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. And now joining me, as promised, the author of one of my favorite columns of each and every year when it comes to the NFL season, The Best Look into the unfiltered, or I guess slightly filtered, you are the filter in this scenario, I suppose, but into the honest opinions of many anonymous executives, general managers, scouts, coaches, a variety of sources within the NFL on the league's quarterbacks in a column that I would advise that you subscribe to The Athletic to read because it is excellent and, and worth the money and worth the time. It is the longtime guest of the show, formerly of ESPN, now at The Athletic. It's Mike Sando. Mike, how are you? I'm doing great, Bill. Thanks for the introduction. Let's talk some quarterbacks. Yeah, we have a lot to discuss here because a lot of interesting things, I feel like. You know, I think maybe in years past, um, you know, there were years where there was a real dramatic move up and down the charts. But um, I think usually we saw, um, you know, most quarterbacks kind of, you know, uh, either staying put or, or moving up a level or down a level. We have some interesting moves this year. I think a lot of, of quarterbacks who went in different directions um and let's start right at the top let's start with number one I, I don't think it should be too much of a surprise i'm not spoiling too much here in saying patrick mahomes is the number one quarterback in the nfl despite the fact that he was not rated the number one player in the nfl by the league's players in the nfl network top 100 ballot uh that came out earlier this week so mike let me start with this in terms of mahomes uh 50 out of 50 tier one votes for him again not a surprise but uh, if I'm not mistaken, there were people who voted for him as a tier two quarterback last year. Is that correct? Yeah, there were seven people that did only saying, you know what, I'm an old school hard ass tier. Let's just see him do it again. You know, and he everyone agreed he played like a tier one quarterback last year. So now that he's done it again and had even great greater postseason success, it's a no brainer. And Russell Wilson was the other one in there. They both got a uh, 50, all 50 in the top tier. But when I would ask who's your guy, you know, they would say, well, I think Mahomes is probably. Uh, even more dynamic, but you know, there's some people who who hold Wilson in nearly as high as regard. Mm -hmm. So Mahomes, I mean, like, like you said, you know, just have to prove it again, do it for a second time, which he did. Um, obviously, the injury came into play, but he was phenomenal, and then just added to his legacy in the playoffs with an incredible run. With Russell Wilson, I feel like he's such an interesting player because, and to me, and, and of course, you, you watch Seahawks closely as someone who lives in the Seattle area, um, who covered them closely for years. Just in terms of Russell Wilson's performance, to me, it feels like he's been 
at the same level for several years now, but this is the first year that he was a 50 out of 50 tier one guy. And there's a quote in your article that I wanted to ask you about, because I'm not sure I understand it. And I think it gets, gets to maybe sort of why maybe some of those holdouts uh, gave Russell Wilson that sort of ranking. And uh, the quote from a GM is originally Wilson was a very good football player. And now he has evolved into being a very good quarterback as well. So can you sort of get at what the difference is between those two things you think in terms of the voters and maybe why it, it took some time for voters to kind of see Russell Wilson at this, you know, 50 of 50 best quarterback in the NFL candidate level? Yeah, I think there's two levels to it, Bill. I think the first one is just um, even if you're really good for a long time until you don't have a historically great defense and Marshawn Lynch in the backfield, they want to see you do it without the training wheels, right? But all those things make the quarterback job easier. He wasn't asked to do uh, as much as he's been asked the last two years. So that's a huge component of this, right? If you have tremendous support and don't have to always be winging it, then people aren't 100% sure that you've proven you can carry it more. You know, So I think that's part of the equation. And then some of it, I think, is uh, time on task. Certainly, you become a master of the position. And I think Russell Wilson's in complete control of the game. He's, he's made definitely progress at the line of scrimmage, uh, sniffing out the defenses, just being a, a fully mature product uh, at the position. I think early in his career, you know, you you do, all these guys probably have to, you know, overcome the fact that you were a third round pick or whatever the guy thought of you coming out. And he, mm -hmm. was, he was later than some of these other guys. So I think that was certainly something that lasts for a while until every last one of those doubters and there's nothing left to doubt. You know, I mean, he's proven everything. Yeah, I mean, a phenomenal football player. Someone else in Tier 1, and I have to admit, this surprised me because uh, Aaron Rodgers, a perennial Tier 1 guy. But for the last couple of years, you look at the numbers as closely as anybody. His numbers are not uh, that of a Tier 1 player. They are good, certainly, above average, certainly, um, but not that absolute tippy-top, you get MVP candidate level of quarterback. And yet... The executives pretty comfortably had him as a tier one guy. So, Mike, what do you think the difference is between what the numbers are seeing in Aaron Rodgers and what the coaches and scouts and general managers are thinking about Aaron Rodgers? Well, no, none of those people who study the game and face him see an erosion of skill set, right? That he, I mean, it, certainly if you watch the some of the plays that he makes, the throws that he makes, the way he buys time, um, it looks really great. Obviously, the production of their offense over the last you know, what, three years or so has not been the same. I believe his QBR this year was like 50 or something, wasn't yeah, it? I mean, it, was. It, was, it was like that's a average quarterback. So what is the gap there? And I think um, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, to me, clearly, uh, there's been a disconnect there between Rodgers and either McCarthy. I don't feel a full-on connection now uh, with this offense that's really – not a Ferrari formula driver offense. It's a bus driver offense. It's what you run when you got uh, Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo, right? You want to minimize the quarterback position. We're going to we're gonna play action it. And Aaron Rodgers is very much a, hey, you know what? We got our play here, and when it doesn't work, I'm going to go off script. I'm going to make an amazing play. But just get, you know, maybe maybe get me some players that I trust that are actually good receivers. Let's have, <laughs> let's have instead of Devontae Adams being 10 times better than everybody, Let's have a let's have a Jordy Nelson and a Greg Jennings and Jermichael Finley and guys who can play to my level, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I think that's what where the disconnect uh, is and uh, is in and to me it's much easier to look at the supporting cast and say that is different um, than to say that Rogers physically can't do what he's done because if you take Rogers' twenty greatest plays from last year, they're the same as every year. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think he still has that that sort of, you know, final gear where he's just phenomenal. You know, I, I just wonder if there are, you know, those sort of plays below those top 20 plays. Maybe, you know, maybe there was 50 of those plays five years ago and now there's 20 of them or I don't know. I mean, this is a guy who, and I, you know, QBR is not the be all end all, but it is, a, I think, a very yeah. robust quarterback statistic. Aaron Rodgers had a worse quarterback rating than Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield a year ago. And again, yep. not saying it's everything, but that does seem kind of telling. It, yeah, I like QBR too. I mean, I was the number one evangelist for QBR when I was at ESPN eight, nine years ago. I mean, I, I really have learned from it, and I think it is uh, helpful. And if you have a bad one year after year, that's probably means something, right? And and of course, there's a team component to it too. I mean, we've seen Mitch Trubisky had a 70 QBR as a rookie. Yes. Was he the same as when Peyton Manning had a 70 QBR? I don't think so. So it can be gamed. It can be fooled a little bit. There's a lot of stuff that can happen in the context of an offense to make Kirk Cousins look like he has amazing stats and should go to the Hall of Fame. And we, we don't think that's the case. So um, there's a lot there with the Rodgers. And uh, I think it is telling that you know, 46 of the 50 said, nope, no difference. Played him, played him last year. Amazing. Controls the game. Two minutes. We're scared to death. Uh, makes every play he could always make. Mm-hmm. They just need to get some guys to help him. So. Um, I think it would be fascinating to see him in another environment somewhere else, a fresh start. I think we may see that. I think if you watched his video the other day, yes, I mean, he, he's on the way out the door to me. Yeah. I mean, 2022, you would figure, well, you know, if not earlier, but I would assume 2022 will probably be the time that we'll see Aaron Rodgers wearing a different jersey. It's going to be fascinating because, you know, it wouldn't shock me if this same year, you know, in 2020, if we get something resembling a full season, we see the same thing from Aaron Rodgers, or we see, you know, the stats look pretty good, not great, but the highlights, the the top level plays are among the, you know, the the, the best Mahomes plays or the best Russell Wilson plays. Yeah. They're the, the the best of the best. So I wonder if that'll change next year if we see that same sort of thing and sort of how long it might take for this stats uh, and that sort of divide between the stats and between Rodgers' highlights, but um, you know, obviously still uh, at his peak and certainly when he's at his best, a phenomenal phenomenal quarterback um so mike obviously drew Brees, incredibly talented tier one quarterback not surprising but there are some skeptics out there still and i want to know why you think that is uh one defensive coach actually direct quote from your column quote unquote i gave him a two but i really want to give him a three i mean drew Brees, you know <laughs> incredible last year when he was healthy a tier three quarterback why do you think that coach would say that I think some of these defensive coordinators have some swagger and they don't like these uh, <laughs> pretty boy quarterbacks who get all the glory, you know, and I love those types of coaches because they really do tell you the truth on the guys who aren't special. You know, they, there's a great quote later we'll get to on Kirk Cousins. that's sort of similar. It's like, do we have to game plan for this guy or not? And I think the, the issue, if you're going to pick nits with, um, with, with Drew Brees would be, Hey, amazing system with Sean Payton. Um, they've got a good run game there. Yes, he does a nice job in it, but is he doing anything physically that we have to just absolutely, uh, that we're terrified of? And so the quote got into, hey, as far as just slinging the ball around, um, it's not as dynamic and difficult of uh, routes that he's throwing um, as the numbers would suggest. So. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why you talk to 50 people, Bill, because there's going to be some people who don't want to give someone their due. He did give the guy two. I mean, (laughs) but he just kind of wanted to say, I'm not that afraid of you. Interesting. Interesting. I'm not going to ask you to reveal it, but I I have my guesses on who that might be. But uh, 
tier two, I think, is the most fascinating uh, group of them all. Because I feel like you start with the first player in tier two making his drop from, I believe he's been in tier one, I would imagine, for the entirety of the time you've been doing this column, if I'm not mistaken, is Tom Brady, who uh, I'm sure was a 50 out of 50, you know, lock of all locks, tier one quarterback until last year. So, Mike, were you expecting that heading into when you started compiling the votes? And were you surprised when you saw that he was a tier two quarterback? Yes, I was a little bit surprised. Um, I thought, hey, you've won six championships, and you would think people would say, hey, you know what? Kind of like they're saying to Rodgers, right? Hey, the it, the cast dropped off around him. This guy can still do it and just get him a baseline level of weaponry, and he'll be just like before. But I think people can see the physical difference between Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady's 10 most impressive plays don't look like the 30th to 50th most impressive for Rodgers probably, right? There's a difference physically. He's older. Uh, I think, you know, seeing Bill Belichick being willing to move on from him, um, adjusting to a new system, taking him out of an environment where everything was gamed perfectly for him with the, with the uh, Skarnecchia and the great protection and, and all that. I think, yeah, he moved to the top of tier two and actually is behind Deshaun. Deshaun Watson was our last guy in tier one, Deshaun Watson actually beating out Tom Brady. Oh, sorry, yeah, I, I did want to. Um, I wasn't going to mention every single player just so we can make sure yeah. we have a different group of the players around the entire list. Yep. yep. But um, yeah, I mean Tom Brady, so he was sixth overall. Yeah, he was he was sixth, and Tom Brady, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers were unanimous tier ones, 2015, 16, 17, and 18, and they were the. I started doing this in 2014, so mm -hmm. it was kind of the end of Peyton Manning. So they were the only guys who were unanimous until until this year with Mahomes and Wilson. Wow. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, just behind Brady is the league MVP, the guy who was number one on the players' top 100 in Lamar Jackson, yet seventh amongst his coaches and executives and, and, and uh, general managers and scouts. So why do you think Lamar Jackson wasn't a tier one guy uh, relative to what we saw from the players when they made their votes uh, earlier this week. Yeah, because I think the players are looking at if you're a tier one football player and everybody would agree that he's a tier one football player. There's no disagreement over what Lamar Jackson is. I mean, he's he may be the best football player uh, in the game. So, OK, why then isn't he unanimous tier one quarterback? He only got 16 tier one votes. I mean, you could say a little bit that, OK, one full season as a starter. But, you know, in that component to be in the in tier one, and you know, we can debate this is the ability to handle the pure pass situation. And that's when uh, we're down 28 to three in the Super Bowl, or or we're trailing the number one defense or top five defense like Mahomes was uh, in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. You need two scores late. We can't lean on our amazing triple tight end run game with play action and that we, we have to drop back and throw to win. So to what degree that component is still sort of a litmus test of the top tier determines uh, what are you willing to put them up there? Because obviously in a couple of playoff games, um, you know, they haven't been able to function very well in that situation. I think it's a matter of time before he goes to tier one. You know, I mean, I think if he had another MVP season, he'd go whether he proved that pure pass thing or not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's just my, my personal opinion. It's hard to deny. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that's an important, that is a important component of the position. Mahomes trailed by double figures six times last year, went five and one. <laughs> you know, Russell Wilson, when he's down by two touchdowns, 
you're scared to death because now Pete Carroll's going to let him play. You know what I mean? <laughs> Drew Brees, you get down. I mean, guess what? You know, or Tom Brady used to be, you're going to run out of coverages. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean? It's like you're down by you're down you're leading by 25 points in the Super Bowl and you're you're in trouble. So that that I think that is a real thing for quarterbacks when you think about you know leading the two minute drive and being behind and being able to just throw when you have to. Yeah, I mean I think that's fair. I just there's the part of me that says you know we're we're sort of not criticizing him, but we're not giving him credit for that because. He was so good running the football and exhausted so much time and was so effective as a quarterback early in games that he didn't have to come back by two scores. You know, his team was always ahead because he was playing really well. So, you know, I I think we have to see more of that. I think you have to see what he can do in those situations. And obviously um, the Tennessee game was, you know, mixed. I I think there were some other issues. Obviously they got stuffed twice on fourth and one uh, in the running game, which, you know, they hadn't been, I think they've been stuffed once all season on fourth and one. Um, they were bad in the red zone and they've been incredible in the red zone all year. But I mean, he was not phenomenal as a passer in that game. He was okay. There were some drops, but um, I, I do think we're going to see that more hopefully in the years to come, especially this year. If you figure the running game might not be quite as effective, they might not be 14 and two. They'll have to throw a bit more, especially if they are trailing in the second half. And we'll get to see if Lamar Jackson can do that. I mean, in the small sample last year, he was pretty good at that, but it was, uh, you know, it was definitely a small sample of situations. Um, Elsewhere in tier two, a guy who I think when you talk to people in the league and you talk to, you know, ex quarterbacks and you talk, you listen to people who, you know, understand quarterback play really well, you hear a lot of praise for Matthew Stafford. And last year, of course, he was great in the first half of the season with Detroit before missing the second half of the year. But then, Mike, I think about Matthew Stafford's career and I've heard his entire career. Hey, if Matthew Stafford gets the right players around him or the right coach, he he will have that great season we're all waiting for. He is a, you know, not just a good quarterback, but a great one. And he's a, a difference banker. And then I look at his career and it's zero playoff wins. Uh, he has had, you know, not only free agents like Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, but also uh, draftees like Calvin Johnson and Kenny Galladay. He's run through a bunch of offensive coordinators. Let me ask you, Mike, I mean, do you think there is that sort of season coming from Matthew Stafford based on what you've heard from these executives? Or do you think that, you know, they're sort of just picturing the Matthew Stafford they want to see in their head as opposed to the guy we've actually seen over the last seven or eight years. Right, right. Like everybody would like to ha- have him be their quarterback so that they could uh, coach him and then every- then he would realize his full potential. Doesn't that kind of what it feels like? Like, Because yeah. he-, he checks all those boxes of being able to do everything you want to do. That's what you look for, right, in the position. Um, and so I'm-, I'm sort of with you after a certain amount of time. I don't care how bad the organization is. If you're truly a one, I think you transcend that more than he has, right? If uh, if maybe a you know Wilson or Mahomes had been there, maybe they would have been able to do that uh, better. I did love the quote in there comparing him to Carson Palmer. I think that is very apt uh, because Carson Palmer went to Cincinnati, right? Where they're, they're not a great organization, and and he you know they they made the playoffs a couple times. He had a terrible injury, but never got over the hump. And then you know he kind of bounced to Oakland and. And then he hit it right with Bruce Arians and got somebody who loved him and was a better organization. You had Larry Fitzgerald uh, and heck, he's in their ring of honor, you know. And so I think that that could be true for Matthew Stafford. I don't think he's a one who has no holes and, uh, you know, could do it anywhere else. He would have done more where he's at. Um, I think we have seen lapses in decision making and and management of the games. Um, 
that who knows, maybe that would be a little better under a different coach and all that, but he doesn't have a different coach. I would love to see him get somewhere else like Palmer did. And then I bet you he'd win a playoff game and that type of stuff. Makes sense. And I mean, you know, Carson Palmer was a legitimate MVP candidate uh, that last big season in Arizona. So it, it can happen. You just need the right coach and the right players around you, I suppose. But um, for different reasons, I think cap related reasons, um, it's always been tough for them to move on from Stafford, even if they wanted to. And yeah. we'll see. I mean, there's major questions about the defense. Their offensive line is in transition. The running game has not really been there. So, I mean, they're a team that I'm I'm sort of quietly high on. I know our friend Mina Kyans is as well, but um, we'll see. I mean, Matthew Stafford has been good, but I think we're waiting for that that really really impressive season that that would sort of you know deliver on the hype. Because when you compare them to these tier two guys, I mean, they've all had better seasons, I think, than Stafford has over the course of his career. And the guy we're, we're going to talk about next is someone who I think is really fascinating because um, I think so much of what we talk about when we talk about Carson Wentz is that MVP caliber season he had in 2017, where he was phenomenal, but close look at the numbers, he was absolutely unsustainably great on the red zone, absolutely unsustainably great on third down. And he has not been that guy over the past couple of years. So, to you, was there still a lot of optimism about Carson Wentz when you spoke to coaches, or were there concerns that he is not getting back to the level he was at previously? Yes and yes. I mean, here's a guy who uh, got five Tier 1 votes and ten Tier 3 votes. I should look that up and see what's the most in each one of those, you know, to wow. think you could be a 1 and a 3. Um, and I think they're both justified in their own way. I mean, I think at his best and the talent and and, you know, he can look really good. He, he does make some amazing throws. But I'm with the, a little bit more of the skeptical side of I don't think he's been as certainly as consistently productive as Dak. He's one spot ahead of Dak. I'd flip those. Um, I think, you know, availability and, and some of that is the decision making of when to take hits or not, um, you know, comes into this. And then you look at the 13 and three year. They were fourth in defensive EPA that year. Well, that's. The other years they weren't that high, and they were seven and nine or nine and seven. You know what I mean? I think that I think that when they when he won and was really good, they were really great around him. Um, so why is it that I think people can see the ceiling being really high on him? I just don't think that means he's he's played at that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, you know, I think if you're judging it based on that ceiling, you pick Carson Wentz because that that season he had in 2017 was better than anything Dak has done, but. Over the course of their career, the more consistent quarterback and the more uh, reliable quarterback, especially when it comes to just being on the field and healthy, is Dak Prescott, who came in just behind Carson Wentz in these rankings. Yeah, and, and the only reason, so he got, Dak got three tier one votes to five for Carson, a very similar number um, in the second tier. And then Dak gets a few more tier three votes because what people look at is, oh, great supporting cast, you know, all the talent they've had there. They they think, hey, he's had the offensive line, a run game. It hasn't all been on his shoulders. And there's there's some truth to that. But, I mean, they've put up a lot of points, too. Um, I think they were 27 points a game last season. That's that's really good. And and uh, I think we're going to see now, the longer he's in Dallas and making money, um, the rest of it's going to fall off around him. And I think we'll get a truer sense if they're still able to be a good team and Maybe if they have make some playoff headway in spite of that, then, you know, maybe he rises more. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. 
the last guy in tier two I found really interesting because I think there are a lot of, you know, the controversial opinions or a wide swath of opinions about Philip Rivers, a guy who, you know, in some circles, especially on, on the fan side, maybe less so on the league side, but I think when you talk to fans, there's a perception that he's done, that he's toast, that the last few weeks with the Chargers were proof that he is not the same guy, that his decision-making is shot, his arm is shot, he can't throw deep, all those arguments we hear about quarterbacks as they get older. Um, was that perception, uh, you know, at least in some circles, confirmed by what you heard when you talked to coaches and, and, and scouts, or or was it a more of a mix and, and more optimism about his chances? Uh, there, I think there's a split. There are people who think he's done, and the uh, decision-making and the throwing ability, you know, he, that – even you know, I talked to a defensive coach who um, just thought he couldn't make the throws uh, down the field that he needed to make, and they were able to close on him and uh, that sort of thing. I do believe that uh, there's at least some credence to the idea that, okay, he needs to change of scenery. That, you know, just a year ago, he was, I think, at the bottom of the top tier, you know. So um, did he just completely fall off a cliff? The thing I've always been told by people who've been around him is um, if he doesn't trust his protection, he's done. And we see that with his decision-making. I think he's been unaccountable in his decision-making. I think he sort of hasn't had to worry about his job, and he just throws it up, caution to the wind, and he's sort of one of those old-school guys. Like if you watched football in the 70s, Ken Stabler just throws seven picks in a game when he's <laughs> behind because they're not going to win anyway. And we live in such an era where people don't do that. You know, Aaron Rodgers could be behind. He won't throw a pick. You know what I mean? He's not going to throw caution to win. Well, Rivers does. He's an old school player. So I think there's some credence to the idea, okay, you go to a new place, you're accountable to new teammates, and they're going to take the ball out of his hands a little bit. They've got that good offensive line. They'll probably be a little more balanced than he's been. Um, And make his job easier. Give him enough time, right? He doesn't need that much time, but he needs some time. And he didn't have it. And now he'll be maybe where he is in this poll, right at the bottom of tier two, top of tier three, maybe on his best day, he's uh, a real solid two. And that's all you need if you're there. That, yeah, I think that's the optimistic side. Makes sense. At the top of tier three, I mean, uh, top of bottom of tier two, the oldest players in the league in terms of quarterbacks. Tier three, we have one of the youngest quarterbacks in the league. And Kyler Murray, I was really impressed and surprised. I mean, this is a guy who got a tier one vote coming out of his rookie yeah. season where he was good, but he wasn't like he was Patrick Mahomes good. It wasn't like he was Lamar Jackson good. He was he was pretty good, but uh, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. So where does Kyler Murray stand historically relative to the other second-year quarterbacks who have topped on this list? Yeah, yeah so uh, Dak Prescott has been um, in the general same range, and Baker Mayfield was a tale of caution there with Baker, but a lot of things changed for Baker, and maybe we were a year ahead of ourselves. I think with Kyler Murray, there's a little more confidence in putting them there because uh, we know he's a fit for what they want to do offensively. They're not firing Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, there was some feeling that Kingsbury did a better job sort of balancing out the offense, just not being so college, you know, and, and using the tight end a little more, helping with the protection, and that uh, it left Kyler Murray on a little more solid footing and a foundation for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly amazing athleticism, and he throws the ball really well, so those two things right there um, are, are things to like, you know, maybe more than you would even like them in, let's say, Mayfield uh, a year ago when people were high on him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really intrigued uh, because obviously Baker, you know, for other reasons, took a step backwards. I don't think Kyler might be subject to those same concerns, but um, 
absolutely a fascinating situation because he could be an MVP candidate this year. Not out of the question that he takes a big leap forward in year two um, with a better offensive line with um, Ed and DeAndre Hopkins having another year with Christian Kirk. I mean, wouldn't it be shocking if he took another step forward or wouldn't it be shocking if he took a step backwards like Baker did. So uh, everything seems possible for Kyler Murray in this second season. Um, you mentioned this guy earlier as well. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Vikings, a perception maybe in some places that he got over the hump after he went and beat the Saints in the postseason, won in overtime with the touchdown pass. Did you feel that same sort of optimism about Kirk Cousins from talking to people within the league? Uh, No, I'm smiling here, Bill, because uh, so, you know, I take all the tier votes from the 50 people and I average them together. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, last year, it averaged for Kirk Cousins at 2.71, okay? So this year, he averaged at 2.70. <laughs> I mean, could he be any less changed, you know? And it's not like I'm talking to the exact same guys, you know? There's a mix. Uh, but I think people, uh, you know, have maybe have their minds made up on Kirk Cousins, especially in the context of that offense, and feel like, yep, if you're going to have that, you know, heavy play action offense and emphasize the run game more than other people do, and and play good defense, that he's perfect for that. Uh, and he should be a, a high three or a low two, you know, because he does make some really good throws. He's really uh, accurate, um, but he's not going to, you know, beat you outside the framework of that with an amazing play. He's not going to ha- have a great scramble. And you don't get the sense that, you know, like we talked about, uh, there's a quote on Desha- from Deshaun Watson or about Deshaun Watson in there that, he makes you believe in the face of certain peril. I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to, that's on Rhett Cousins. You don't get that feel that uh, he's just willing the team, leading the team, and everyone's responding to him, right? So there's there's kind of a little bit of a hole there that has him be in this holding pattern, even if he has really good stats. Yeah, I mean, last year, good numbers, playoff win. You figure if that was going to do it, it would have done it. But maybe he needs to go further. Maybe he needs to make a Super Bowl to uh, convince some people that he's not more than just a, a guy you plug in and get average performance from. But a, uh, I think a pretty fascinating landing spot. And I think the, the votes uh, average that you brought up is pretty telling uh, in terms of how little uh, perception has changed. The next guy, I think there was a significant change with, uh, that's Jared Goff of the Rams, fell from Tier 2 to Tier 3. Uh, in terms of the people you did talk to year after year, did you talk to people who were impressed with Goff a year ago who sort of took a step backwards and were disappointed in him last year? Um, yeah, I think that there was a little bit of disappointment that he wasn't able to make up for some of the, uh, you know, for, for some of the things that fell apart around him. I think everybody though realizes that when things are right, he, he can really throw the ball well, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, the interesting aspect to his career is just the incredible swings of what's around him. It makes it a little bit harder to, uh, you know, to know for sure um, how much of it is him, right? But uh, that's why I think this year is going to be important that way. You know, it, I, th- I think expectations are low. People don't think they're going to be that good. They may be a little better than that. And if he can kind of rise above that and and maybe drive some of that success um, in a season where they're not sort of hoping for Todd Gurley, you know what I mean? They kind of know what they are probably. Um, it could be a proving ground for him. But he is perceived as you know, a little bit product of the system because the minute Sean McVay showed up, everything looked different. And then the minute um, Gurley wasn't effective anymore, it seemed harder, you know, and until he can move the needle in the absence of those things, um, 
you know, or in addition to it, in the case of McVeigh, he's probably going to languish a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a guy who I think was last in the NFL in, in passer rating or QBR under pressure a year ago, and obviously was pressured more frequently. Um, you know, I, I think a talented player, but again, it seems like when things aren't what he's expecting, either before the snap or after the snap, he does struggle to sort of, you know, reinvent himself or, or prove what he can do. So I think a really big year for him. Uh, he's going to get paid. He's getting paid either way. I don't think he's about to get cut or anything, but I think a year he has to get back and, and prove that he's more like the guy who the Rams were happy to sign to an extension after 2018 and the guy who, you know, seemed a little bit yeah. overmatched last year. Yeah. Think of it. Just let, let's look at our top, look at the top two tiers of players and how many of them can make something good out of a bad play, right? Mahomes, Wilson, Rogers. You know, Breeze, not so much, but Watson, uh, not Brady, not so much. Lamar Jackson, Roethlisberger, Stafford, Ryan, not so much. Wentz, Prescott, Rivers, not so much. But that, that's a lot of those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when, the, when the snap comes, the shotgun snap comes back and it grazes the guy in motion and the ball's suddenly off its tracks, um, Mahomes might be more dangerous. And he's like, oh, shoot, you know, I got to go do something. Whereas <laughs> Goff, it may be over. You know, he may melt right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next guy on the list, a guy who in the past was uh, top of tier two, has not got back to that level since then, though. And a guy who I think it's impossible in some ways to grade in Cam Newton, but 19th uh, on this list, the middle of tier three and votes all over the place. I mean, huh. how do you possibly gauge what what Cam is at this point? You don't do it consistently. I can tell you that. I mean, he got votes in four different tiers, every tier but but uh, the top tier, which would have been unreasonable after not playing. But there's right. a segment of people who say, hey, last time I saw he was healthy, he was a two. Right? No, that's an accurate statement, probably. I think of the first half of the 18th season, I think he was playing really well. And then there's, you know, 29 of the 50 people are going to put him in the third tier, and they're kind of like, you know, I think he plays to a two when healthy, but I'm going to have to downgrade him because I don't know about his health. And there's, you know, seven people had him below that who were like, um, I, he hasn't proven he can stay healthy lately. So glass is half empty. Uh, he's got to prove he's even a three at this point. And I think we're all of the above. I, I agree with all those things. And yeah. we just have to wait and see. Yeah, I think it's tough. Do you think he would have landed any differently if he had not uh, ended up with the Patriots? Like, do you think the the decision by Bill Belichick to sign Cam Newton maybe changed some opinions, some other people about where they viewed him? Um, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I think if he had signed with Belichick, the Jags, for example, well, let's let's say if he had signed like the first week of free agency and then we had gotten some sort of feedback through normal offseason programs and training camps that he was healthy, no doubt, I think he'd be higher. I mean, I think he would be, um, maybe in that. Kyler Murray, Rivers range, sort of bottom of two and three, you know, people wanting to see him play better, but having a better sense that he will. Mm-hmm. I just, after, lately. yeah, right. I think that's fair. I just, after reading the last few days about these you know, Patriots players cutting out and people pointing that out that Bill oh. Belichick drafted players at the exact positions where his players were opting out as if he could see the future and knew that uh, Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung were opting out. Just been a little confused. Um, I figured that maybe, maybe he has a uh, a disproportionate impact on the opinions of other people around the NFL. Uh, but Bill Belichick and Cam Newton will have a lot to talk about this year, and of course, going a lot of different directions. Someone who, though, 
seems like uh, he can't get much further than he is right now, at least, is Derek Carr. I think you point this out a little bit in, in the tiers column. Is, you know, Derek Carr's numbers were excellent last year. He was basically the 10th best quarterback in the NFL by most of the measures I can find, somewhere in that range, in that 8 to 12 range. He's 20th here. I mean, this is a guy who was 7th after that breakout season uh, in 2017. So, I mean, why do you think the league is down on Derek Carr? Um, people do, I think people don't like, uh, the way he does or doesn't lead. I think that's part of it. Um, doesn't seem to be, uh, the most accountable guy publicly and then doesn't seem to, to stand in against the rush when it gets hot. You know, he's, they think he's one of these guys who, uh, when everything's going great, look out. But when it's not, he's going to get pulled down by it and not going to be able to rise above. And I think that was what was said about him coming out of Fresno State. That's probably why he wasn't drafted higher, even though he can really throw the football. So uh, when it's late in the game and it's a hard situation, um, you know, over the years, people have seen him throw the ball away on fourth down. or You know, you know what I mean? And instead of just really making the plays when they need to be made, um, I think that's what it is. Now, he was early in his career, um, 2017, I believe he was seventh in this thing. So the mm-hmm. talent, talent's there. I think people also don't think that aren't convinced that John Gruden loves him, mm-hmm. you know, which is, I mean, that may be Gruden's fault more than it is Carr's fault, but um, it's probably somewhat a reflection of Carr as well. You'd figure it's telling. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, do have some faith in what, what John Gruden thinks about quarterbacks and the fact that they went out and gave Marcus Mariota, the the deal they did to come in and play as a backup, you know, at least theoretically, is probably telling. But yeah, I mean, a guy who, you know, I, I watched him last year and thought, oh, he's fine. You know, they, they weren't a competitive team for most of the year. They were they were okay, but they were not a, you know, a, a dominant football team by any stretch of the imagination. But a guy who looked better by the numbers than, you know, just watching him from week to week. So um, I'll be intrigued. I mean, I, I wonder if we do see Marcus Mariota, if there is a slow start to the year in those new digs from Derek Carr. It feels like it to me. He's last two years been tier three. He was tier two the two years before that. So it kind of feels like he's peaked and now really needs to snap out of this, right? Mm-hmm. With uh, a, a, not only a good year for him, but, but, you know, maybe for the team. And I think there is a feeling that we could see Mariota for sure. In fact, I included Mariota in the poll just because, you know, as you go into this, you're like, all right, what could happen? You know, where are the places where you wouldn't be shocked if something happened unexpectedly? And kind of one of them. That has to be one of them for sure. Um, two quarterbacks from the class of 2018 in tier three. Josh Allen, though, ahead of Sam Darnold. Uh, to you, does that say more about Allen's growth last year or about uh, the, the, the sort of the electorate being disappointed about Sam Darnold's lack of growth? I think it's a little bit the latter and also just a, a worse situation for the Jets, right? I mean, could he have, you know, who's had worse weapons the last few years or, you know, the, between the whole thing on offense and then what's their identity offensively under Adam Gase? And then what, uh, you know, what are they doing from a personnel standpoint, signing Le'Veon Bell when their coach doesn't want him and, it's it's and then he gets mono for four games, right? It's almost a little bit of a mulligan year to me for him last year, and this is an important one. And people just weren't willing. To, you know, what did you see that you loved? You know, I mean, there was some progress during the year, but um, it feels like a little bit of a tease as opposed to um, 
something where you're like really, you know, getting on board. So that's that's what I think happened to the Darnold. Um, there was definitely more excitement for um, in, in that tier, actually for Daniel Jones in that market, even though Jones was lower than Darnold. And then for for Allen, I think he, he actually did better in the fold than I was thinking he would. Really? Based on my perception of, of people's concerns of his accuracy and instincts for the game, you see him when he runs, he gets blasted and doesn't always look pretty. But uh, he actually was one of the biggest risers yeah. uh, year over year and got four votes in the second tier. So that's good for Buffalo. You know, I, I mean, I, they certainly need it to work. And now they add bigs and, and maybe he maybe he takes off and goes. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, watching him closely, something that was brought up by one of the coaches is something I really agree with and watching him for the thing I wrote him a couple of weeks ago is that the ball usually goes to the right place. I mean, you know, pretty consistently, he knows where to put the football in terms of who's open, who's coming open. Um, when he sees a guy who's open, he has the arm strength to get it to him. I just, you know, he doesn't always anticipate uh, the pass coming open, doesn't always anticipate where the coverage is going to free things up and, um, his footwork is inconsistent, little things like that. But I think it, it sort of seems like maybe his issues might be coachable, whereas it seems like there might be a perception that some of Sam Darnold's issues are, are not quite as coachable and fixable. Yeah, it's been interesting. And I mentioned instincts on on um, Alan. I, I think Darnold is almost too reliant on his instincts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe you can combine these two players. Um, but uh, I, I agree with the coaching part of it on Josh Allen. I think maybe you can pick the things that work well for him and, and go with it. And I feel like they're closer to doing that with, you know, some just continuity of their organization, right? And we know they're going to be a, still a pretty good team on defense. And, uh, you know, he he does bring a toughness and kind of a swagger to the table that um, maybe fits well for that organization, even where they're playing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the, I think there's, there is some optimism there. So the last guy in tier three uh, I want to ask you about is Nick Foles. Because every year I feel like there's one quote in the tiers column where I'm just like exasperated because I, I don't know what the quarterback could do. And that, this year that, that quote is Nick Foles. And here's the quote. As bad as Trubisky is, I know Foles is even worse. Just watching him in Jacksonville last year, uh, according to a defensive coordinator who you pulled for this column, he could have stuck to his backup quarterback role come in as a relief pitcher, but some guys like him and Fitzpatrick want to be starters and that gets them exposed. I mean, are we going to blame Nick Foles for wanting to start? I like... know. No. <laughs> Sometimes on these quotes, Bill, I like to uh, put that one in there. So on one, I followed it up by saying the same thing. Like, What's he supposed to find the starting job? But really the message of that is, of course not. He should do that. But um, but every time he is for a long period of time, it seems like he... Now, I would back on that and say, you know, he's been in a horrific situation with the Rams and Jaguars. I mean, let's just say Nick Foles, high tier three quarterback who stays as a two. It's a reasonable thing. I don't. I think we could say that. Um, if he's always in Philadelphia or in a good spot, he may look better there. Remember, he he had a great year when Chip Kelly was there, and then when they won the Super Bowl, they did some of those Chip Kelly things. So does he go? Chicago and, and Matt Nagy does some of the things that have worked well for Foles in the past to a greater degree than it happened with the Rams in Jacksonville. And Jacksonville is hard to evaluate because he got hurt in the first game. Right. So then you're coming back later. It's almost a lost year. So, um, yeah, I do, you know, with a harshly negative comment like that, I, 
sometimes I, I mean, I leave some of them out if they're just completely unfair, but I always try to balance it out by saying, wait a minute. And that was right. one of those wait a minute. That was a wait a minute for me. Yeah, I mean, this is the guy who got hurt last year, literally throwing a long touchdown pass. It wasn't like he was that bad a year ago, I thought. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he'll have the opportunity. There's there's good weapons there or good talent there, especially having Allen Robinson. The coaching staff is there. Um, and a guy who has been, you know, he's been inconsistent, I think it's fair to say. But we know his ceiling is is really good. Yeah. His ceiling is, you know, can literally win a Super Bowl. So um, I think a guy who could be a riser next year, even if he doesn't play a full 16 games. Um, in terms of the final tier, in terms of tier four, some of the guys you mentioned uh, who, you know, are, are borderline starters, your Marcus Mariotas, your Ryan Fitzpatricks. The guy I wanted to ask you about, though, is number 32, Mitch Trubisky, who fell not only uh, out of tier three, but fell behind guys like Tyrod Taylor and Drew Locke and Gardner Minshew. I mean, were you... Uh, again, sort of similar to Goff, you know, were there guys who, you know, sort of, or, or people who saw Trubisky last year as, you know, a, a burgeoning, budding franchise quarterback who really felt like he took a step backwards last year? Um, there were people that were hopeful he would, uh, that he would progress, wanted to see improvement that he had, they had been able to win with him when he was a rookie. And, and then, of course, you had a, you know, a little bit of a sophomore slump and were hopeful that, okay, you would get things um, evened out. So there was some hope there. I mean, I think people, it wasn't like people just laughed uh, completely when he was drafted in the first round. I mean, you could certainly debate at the time that he shouldn't have been the first quarterback or whatever, but there was a skill set there. I think what's been troubling is um, just a lack of progress, right? And you don't see, it's, it's not like he's, okay, he's got some physical limitations, but just mentally, man, he's gotten quicker. He really knows where to go with it. I think there's, you know, examples that people have raised to me about, you know, predetermining in the huddle where you're going to throw the ball and just some elementary things that raise alarms and are probably the reason why after standing by him so steadfastly, they made a major move to have an alternative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the final three guys, I mean, you have Dwayne Haskins, Jared Stidham, and Kyle Allen. So two of the final three quarterbacks are members of the Washington football team. Now, Mike, you're someone who's watched this closely for years. To my knowledge, that has not been a typical recipe for success. Does it worry you more than maybe you worried heading into the tears column that Washington might not be very competitive in 2020? Um, you know, I don't know. I think with Haskins, so th- th- uh, there wasn't a huge swell of love for him coming out, right? And then he hasn't played enough now for people to – um, change that, right? And it, nothing went well. I think it was a horrific situation. So, yeah, he got 47 votes in the fourth tier, and I still want to see more in a better situation. You know, I, I don't think it's quite as negative as it's made out to be um, by the low ranking for him. Kyle Allen, I mean, he probably should be a backup. I think they signed him because he knows the offense. No one has been talking about his upside. I think there's at least some hope of an upside with Haskins and then the stunner. I mean, to me, the stunner is Alex Smith could be in the mix. I mean, yeah. that's unbelievable to me. Um, and if it is, what a great guy to have around. I, I think that's exactly the type of guy that a Dwayne Haskins could benefit from. And he, uh, he has been around him already, but I mean, even more um, tangibly around if, if Alex Smith's going to be in the mix. So yeah, weird, just a weird situation there overall, you know, with everything that's gone on and, and, uh, you know, now Alex Smith suddenly in. And, and and again, how many times are we going to see people in Haskins' situation 
where you get drafted and then after one year you got a new staff. You know, it's right. just such a common theme uh, that can't be easy for these young guys. Absolutely. I mean, you know, year one, he had two head coaches. This is just going to be his third head coach now in a full, one, one year of being a professional quarterback. So obviously not ideal, but uh, we will see. I'm sure we will have more to talk about this time next year with the quarterback tears column. But where, Mike, where can people read all the hard work you put in on this and all your other work? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Sando NFL and then uh, on The Athletic. You can just Google QB Tears, The Athletic, uh, to 2020. You'll find it and uh, hopefully enjoy the read. Yeah, well, awesome, Mike. You know you're always one of my favorite guests, so it's always a good reason to have an excuse to have you back on the show and talk about stuff. And like I said, it's one of my favorite columns every year. So uh, thanks so much for hopping on and thanks for writing this every year. Hey, Bill, keep up the great work. One of the smart guys out there. Love talking to you and hope we can do it again soon. All right. Thanks so much, as always, to my guest, uh, The Athletics, Mike Sando. Love reading Mike's work. Check him out there and on Twitter as well. And we have more NFL coming. I mean, we're getting closer to a season. Training camp is kicking off uh, over the next week or so. And hopefully we will have some football to discuss in the near future. But we're certainly going to keep previewing uh, all things 2020 when it comes to the NFL season. Hope you guys are staying safe and more audio on the way next week.